You're listening to a special broadcast of a press conference from the Department of Emergency Management with Mayor London Breed, the City Assessor, and Dr. Grant Colfax from the Department of Public Health. This is KSFP LP, San Francisco, 102.5 FM, a service of the San Francisco Public Press. Welcome, Mayor Breed. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm San Francisco Mayor London Breed, and today I'm here with the Director of the Department of Public Health, Dr. Grant Colfax, as well as our Assessor Recorder and Chair of the Economic Recovery Task Force, Carmen Chu. As of today, sadly, we have lost 83 people because of COVID, and we have 9,212 confirmed cases, and Dr. Colfax will provide more details as it relates to uh, COVID-19. And before we get into uh, some details and, and possibly some good news, um, today, uh, as a result, sadly, of the wildfires, the air quality is really terrible in San Francisco. In fact, we are in the red zone, which means we are asking people to stay indoors, to keep their windows closed. And I know that this has been confusing and really challenging because on the one hand, because of COVID, we are expressing to the public that it's important to do things outdoors to avoid, the, to uh, reduce the transmission of COVID-19. And then on the other hand, we're dealing with the wildfires and the air quality, which is also a real challenge. And sadly, they contradict each other. But we know that the air quality will change based on the wildfires. And so as a result, it's important that we are paying very close attention to that and we are adjusting. Uh, there's so much uncertainty and I know there's so much frustration. We knew when COVID hit that the possibility of dealing with other challenging events around air quality would be possible. We know that any other situation, any other emergency could happen and it's important that we adjust. It's important that we are prepared and so again, I know it's been very confusing, but I want to uh, express my appreciation for your cooperation. And ultimately, the goal is to protect public health, It's to make sure that you're not impacted by COVID, and it's also to make sure that you're not impacted by the air quality, which, as I said, is at this time red. What the city has done on a regular basis through our Alert SF is provide updates so if you want to sign up or if you want to call 311, uh, we are trying to get the information out as soon as possible. We don't know when the winds are going to shift and when it's going to impact the city. Uh, but today, I'm sure many of you woke up and you smelled fire, just like I did in my apartment. And I didn't have any windows open, which was odd. And so I do understand this is confusing and scary and uh, uncertain, but we are doing everything we can to make sure that the public is aware of what's going on. You know, what's interesting is uh, we've been living like this for the past six months. And one of the things that I made clear from the very beginning is we will do everything we can to make sure that we are communicating with the public as much as possible. It's been really challenging because there are times where we don't completely have all the information. There are times when there has been uncertainty. But whenever we've had the ability to tell you whatever information we had, we did that. 
And one of the things that I know has been extremely frustrating is especially when we were doing really well in the beginning of this pandemic, it looked like things were going in the right direction and we made announcements about businesses and things that we anticipated could reopen. I remember going to the zoo and feeding the giraffes and getting super excited about what was to come, not because I personally wanted to have those experiences, but it had everything to do with knowing the challenges that people are facing in this city, especially our small businesses, especially our parents, especially the elderly. When I think about the hundreds of businesses that have closed permanently in this city, or the hair salons or the nail salons or the people that have not been able to open. When I think about the kids who are having challenges because they don't have parents or maybe family members at the home that could help them with distance learning, so we are seeing them fall further and further behind. This is a real struggle for all of us. We have been living in this, we have been dealing with this, and the fact is, because San Francisco has been through tough times in the past and gotten through them, we will get through this too. And so we want to thank all of you for your patience and understanding. Six months. Six months. So we're, we're, we're getting used to living in it. And now it's time for us to make some levels of transition. The good news is, as we came out before and we said there were challenges, and unfortunately, we'd have to slow down our reopening efforts. We are here today to say that uh, we expect the governor to hopefully make some good announcements this afternoon um, about our reopening process and the state watch list, and we'll see what happens at that time. And once we know exactly what that entails, we will come back to you next week with some additional announcements, but as of today, uh, we are really excited to announce that we are finally able to allow some businesses to open to do outdoor services on September 1st. So that's next week. This includes hair and nail salons, and it also includes outdoor gyms. So look, I know when you talk about a woman, for example, and, and getting our hair done and doing it outside, it sounds crazy because if someone gets color or someone gets a blow dry, they need their hair washed beforehand. And this, us, this requires that we make some adjustments to not only if we wanna get our hair done, but of course, if we wanna support those businesses that have been closed for far too long. The fact is, it's an adjustment. And we are hopeful that as we see the number and the changes continue, that we will be able to allow more. So hair salons, places, barbershops, nail salons, and outdoor gyms are allowed to move forward. But unfortunately, facials and tattoo places and, and, and things like that, we're going to have to put a pause on, and Dr. Colfax will go into more details about that. And the whole point of why we are able to do this is because in these particular instances, people are able to wear masks. Public health will provide guidelines that will make sure that you know exactly what to do because ultimately what we don't want to do is open up these places and then all of a sudden see a spike and then have to go backwards. 
And I also want to just say something about what the city has done for small businesses. Look, I know it's not enough, and I know that we can do more, but we've already helped over a thousand small businesses with anywhere between ten to fifty thousand dollars in grants and loans. We've raised over twenty-nine million dollars in private money to help support so many of our struggling businesses in San Francisco. But being closed for six months, we know, has had has taken its toll. And so we are doing everything we can to try and deal with the city's bureaucracy, to try to get rid of fees and delays and process and other things that are costly. Our small businesses are hurting. They need us now more than ever. And so as we reopen, yes, resources and financial resources and forgivable expenses are going to be critical, but long term, there's a lot more work that we're going to need to do to support our small business community, and I'm definitely committed to that. So what will happen if and once, well, once we're off the watch list? It will provide us with an opportunity to do more. It will provide us with an opportunity to allow more things to open. And I want to be clear that as more things open in San Francisco, the possibility for spread goes up. So the last thing we want to do, as I said before, is to go backwards. And we also understand that families, especially with school starting and distance learning, I know parents are at their wit's end. And again, I also know that there are students who may not have parents or family members or other people in their household that can be of support as they are trying to learn their lessons. You know, it's sad to think of, you know, the challenges that, that many of these kids face. I remember, I mean, I, I just think about even when, when I was a kid and how I drove my grandma crazy and if we were in a similar situation at that time and you all remember back then there was no technology and it would have been very difficult to have a whole distance learning through technology strategy but my grandmother wasn't always able to help me with my lesson and so having resources in the community like the community learning hubs that we're proposing through the city are so important they're especially important for kids whose parents can't afford to miss work. They're important for kids who may not have a family member who can assist them at home. So I, I know that so many of you want to take advantage of these opportunities, but we don't have enough slots for every child. So you're welcome to sign up, and we ask that you be considerate. If you are able to support and help your kid at home, then we want you to allow the opportunity for some of those other children who may not have those same resources to be able to access these learning hubs. And as we, as we move in a direction of getting off the watch list, our goal is to do everything we can to support our families by making sure that we not only have these learning hubs, but we are hopeful that we'll be able to soon provide some guidance as it relates to schools and reopening. We don't know what that is. We don't know what that entails. We don't know when that date might be. But I want you to know that we are keeping in mind the importance to make sure that we are supporting families.
we are supporting kids and we are making them the priority as it relates to their need to learn in person, their need to come together with their friends and to play and to live and to enjoy life to the fullest. Even now as we speak, it pains me that there are parks, there are playgrounds that are empty, that we don't hear the noise and, and, the, and, and the sounds of children playing in schoolyards and enjoying themselves and living their lives. It pains me, and I know that people who are parents, it pains them too. So as we move forward and as we try to push forward with allowing more businesses to open in San Francisco, it's also going to be important that we prioritize families and we make access to opportunities for families, for children in particular, the priority in the city. Now, I know so many of you parents are used to scheduling. Soccer on Thursdays, ballet on Tuesdays, tutoring on Wednesdays. Like, you have a whole system because it works for you, because you have to work and you divide up the duties and you, you have a system, and COVID has really disrupted that system. We all are living in a lot of uncertainty, but the good news is the city has adapted to this challenging time. We have adapted and we have been a model for the rest of the country despite the challenges that we still face. So this is an interruption, of course, in our lives, but eventually we are gonna get to a better place. Eventually there will be a day where we can get together and not think about wearing a mask. Eventually there will be a day where we will come together and we'll remember this time but we'll remember what we did to contribute to getting through it. Because when we talk about the fact that we are all in this together, we really are all in this together. And we all play a role. We all play a role in the success of this city. We all have a role to play in making sure that we see these cases continue to decline. Our livelihood depends on it. The future of our city depends on it. We're all looking forward to the day where we're not even thinking about walking out of the house with a mask on. That's where we're gonna be one day. And so until then, let's continue to stay safe and healthy by doing our part. Let's support one another and our neighbors and continue to do what we can to keep a positive attitude despite the obstacles. We've made adjustments in San Francisco. I love seeing people use the Safe Streets program and walk in the middle of the block and just hang out and kids riding their bikes with their siblings and the things that are happening because of the street closures. The restaurants that have taken their businesses outside and the people and the bustling and the fun and how folks are still able to go outside and come together. San Francisco is still alive and active and well as we go through this very challenging time. So I really want to thank all of you for your work and your support, and I want to make sure I haven't forgotten anything. And it doesn't look like I've forgotten anything. So the good news is you don't have to hear from me for the rest of the day. The weekend is upon us, and I'm asking again that you continue to avoid large gatherings. Keep in mind and pay attention to the air quality so that 
especially those with underlying health conditions and respiratory issues that you are not outside compromising your health, to do everything you all can to continue to help us fight this virus. We are able to move forward September 1st with um, very minimal openings, but hopefully significant to so many of the people who have been closed for at least six months, maybe even longer. This is a huge step in the right direction, and hopefully next week we'll have even better news to get our city and the people of our city to a better place. So thank you all so much for joining us, and at this time I want to turn it over to the Department of Public Health Director, Dr. Grant Koufax. Well, good morning. I'm Dr. Grant Colfax, Director of the Public Health Department for the City and County of San Francisco. Thank you, Mayor Breed. It was almost exactly six months ago that we stood on this balcony as you declared a state of emergency for the city. Because of your leadership, Mayor Breed, and thanks to the scientific expertise and the community wisdom that we are so fortunate to have here in San Francisco, and through the tireless dedication of city workers and community members, we are better off today. We have been careful. We will continue to be careful. Faced with a new highly infectious virus, we have taken a measured approach that protects the most vulnerable in San Francisco and slows the spread of COVID-19. We will continue to move forward with a thoughtful, incremental phased approach to reopening that will hopefully allow us to avert large outbreaks, keep our healthcare system at capacity, and mitigates even further damage to our economy and communities. I want to provide an update on the COVID-19 data in San Francisco. As you know, these key health indicators help us monitor the spread of the virus in our communities and assess our ability to respond to the pandemic. And if you go to Data Tracker at the city website, you can follow these key indicators as well. The rate of new cases of COVID-19, which helps to show how quickly the virus is spreading, unfortunately remains high. We are seeing about 75 new cases every day right now. That number has been coming down in the recent weeks, but it remains in the red zone. And I want to take a moment here to make a key point with regard to our cases in San Francisco. Over half of our COVID-19 cases continue to be diagnosed in the Latinx community. While it is the case that the department has worked with key stakeholders in community to address this issue, and we have made progress, it is simply not enough. We must continue to do more. Here are some examples of what we will be doing in the immediate future to help address the ongoing Latinx pandemic. The department will soon be establishing a $5 million grant program to help community-based organizations expand community health worker teams, outreach, and education. We will continue to expand case investigation and contact tracing teams 
to a team of over 300 trained individuals and ensuring that at least half the team is fluent in Spanish, commensurate with the needs identified in the community. We will continue to expand access to testing for the Latinx community. We must measure and hold ourselves accountable for increasing testing rates in the community most at risk for COVID-19. This means, this demands expanding testing sites to new venues, potentially such as transportation hubs, making testing lower barrier and ensuring wraparound services are seamlessly coordinated to support people if they test positive and need isolation and quarantine support. Our turnaround time for test, city-based test, has come down, and I'm happy to say at this time it is less than two days. We will increase our support of education and prevention activities, including ensuring that masks are widely available to those who need them most. And we will continue to ensure to strengthen our outreach and support so people know that regardless of immigration status, all will be welcomed and receive care in our public health care system. San Francisco, after all, is a sanctuary city. Now, to continue with the indicators. It is fortunate that our hospital system indicators currently remain green. This indicator is crucially important as it gauges our ability to handle a potential surge of COVID-19 patients. Our other health indicators remain relatively solid. Testing is green. We are testing about 3,700 people a day, more than double our goal. Contact tracing is in yellow and orange, but continues to improve as our testing time turnaround has improved. We are reaching 81% of cases and 77% of contacts. Our goal is to reach 90% of both. Contact tracing is one of the most important ways we find and stop the virus before it spreads further. Our PPE supply within the department is at 100%, placing us in the green zone. So as we follow these indicators, as we continue to gradually reopen our city, we are focused on equity and safety. This means opening areas with lower risk and helping those who are suffering dearly as a result of shelter in place. While COVID-19 is a public health priority, so is the development and learning of children. We know that education, and particularly early education, is a key public health intervention. We can simply not hit pause on our children's development. They must continue to learn and grow. We also know that prolonged school closures can exacerbate the socioeconomic disparities and amplify existing educational inequities in our city. Classrooms, after-school programs, child care facilities and learning centers are all an important part of our community infrastructure. They provide safe, supportive learning environments for students 
and enable parents, guardians, and, care work and caregivers to work. They also provide critical services that help to mitigate health inequities, such as meal programs and social, physical, behavioral services. We know that returning children to learning and developmental environments are critically important, and yet it must be done cautiously in this environment of ongoing COVID-19 risk. We see the gradual reopening of schools as a significant step forward in our city's long path back to normalcy, helping jumpstart the struggling economy by allowing more parents to return to work and contributing to the long-term well-being of children. That is why moving forward with learning centers, community hubs, classroom learning, and childcare facilities is a top priority of our phased reopening plan. However, these facilities must meet minimum standards, including providing detailed safety and protocol plans. And while the development of our children is a priority, so is the safe reopening of our small businesses the backbone of so many of our communities. And after six months of this COVID-19 pandemic, we have learned a lot. We know that outdoor activities are the safest to avoid infection, and therefore certain outdoor services and activities can occur with less risk of spreading the virus. As we increase outdoor activities, we must, we must continue to wear our mask, socially distance, and wash our hands frequently. Our success is so dependent on each person doing their part. The gradual reopening of outdoor services and children's activities will increase travel and interaction throughout the city, which means we are at increased risk for more community spread of the virus. As people start to move around the city more and increase activities, we must, again, be so careful. I ask, wear a mask. We can reopen our city in a responsible, measured and phased approach that leads and must lead with equity. We can address health and safety alongside our children's need to return to the classroom and residents' need to get back to work. In the absence of an imminent vaccine or effective treatment, we need to continue to monitor the virus, to continue to work to flatten that curve and slowing the virus's spread in a manner that will not overwhelm our progress, our healthcare system, our economic system, or continue to increase the inequities in the pandemic that I described earlier. We can only be as successful 
as our collective action is going forward. San Francisco has led the nation and saved lives with our phased and measured approach. In order to preserve our hard-fought gains now, we must monitor the virus as we continue to move forward with children's activities and outdoor businesses. As we open slowly with caution, we want to sustain our progress. And as long as San Francisco continues to make progress in slowing the spread of the virus and state guidance allows the potential for more activities, we can get San Francisco back on track. Thank you. First off, I must say I'm thrilled that Dr. Colfax helped to wipe down the podium in advance for me. Thank you, Dr. Colfax, for your comments. Good evening, or good afternoon, everybody. I want to say uh, just how important it is to be here today and recognize all the challenges that I think so many families, businesses are facing at this moment. It's so important today that we continue to find ways to help businesses reopen, even if it means starting outdoor first. Today's step recognizes a number of things. First, it recognizes the importance of education and the role of education for our children. Families not only depend on our schools and the educational opportunities to be able to actually go to work, but it also means a big deal in terms of our kids' ability to develop, to grow, and to live fulfilled lives. I'm very thankful for the Department of Public Health for putting forward guidances and to create a process to enable that to happen. The second piece that this step recognizes is the importance of reopening and the reality and urgency that businesses are facing. I grew up a daughter of restaurant owners. On weekends, I would go to the restaurant, I would help to wait on tables, I'd go and help wash dishes. And I know even before COVID-19, it was so incredibly hard for businesses to succeed and to survive in the city. From thousands and thousands of people, we've heard the challenges that they're facing economically through the Economic Recovery Task Force. I think as the mayor spoke about earlier, businesses have been closed for months, some up to six months and more. So many businesses are open at only a fraction of what they were before COVID-19. We know that immediate lifeline programs like the federal PPP program are coming to an end. And I think more than anything, we recognize that people need to know more information in order to be able to make good decisions about what they do in the future. Should they stay open and continue as they are? Should they take out an additional loan? Do they need to close up their businesses? We know that opening outdoor services alone won't be an option for everyone. And it's not lost on us about some of the challenges outdoor services provide, including what we're dealing with with some of the air quality issues today. But we also recognize that every bit counts, especially now. What we know is that the virus has taught us that flexibility and creativity is incredibly important. We need to try and we need to adjust as best as we can. So far, over a thousand businesses have applied to use outdoor spaces through the Shared Spaces program. We hope that this program or what is announced today will allow for more and more businesses to take advantage of this opportunity. We know that the coming months will be the warmest where outdoor operations could actually be impactful for businesses. 
we're also about to enter the high retail season, and we really need to recognize that we need to take every step that we can to allow reopening to occur in a safe way. Dr. Colfax spoke earlier about where we are in terms of the health or public health perspective. We are still in a very challenging time. And though today's step really acknowledges the need to reopen while balancing public health, I think it's really worth underscoring that there can be no possible long-term sustainable economic recovery without making sure that we're effectively managing and stopping the spread of this disease. Workers need to continue to feel safe working, and our customers need to feel confident and safe re-engaging in the economy for this to work. So I'll close my comments today by making two requests. The first, support local businesses if you can. It makes such a big difference when you do that takeout order, when you order from your local restaurant, when you buy that good product from a local store. It helps to get them through just one more month, one more week, one more day. And second, please continue to wear a mask. Please continue to avoid taking unnecessary risks. San Francisco businesses and our workers are relying on all of us doing those two simple things to be able to continue staying open and sustain the progress that we've made and also to allow us to open further. Thank you so much. I think the first question might be for me, so I'm going to stay up here. Thank you, Assessor Chu. We will begin uh, the Q&A portion with you. Assessor Chu, your first question comes from Alex Barreda with SF Business Times. Once San Francisco is off the watch list, does it become the city's sole discretion to open indoor service for salons, gyms, etc., or we will, will more restrictions from the state need to be rolled back before that can happen? Thank you, Alex, for that question. I think it's an important one. We understand that there is a lot of confusion about what can open and what cannot open. People are seeing across different county lines that different activities are opening up in San Francisco versus in other places, and they also hear sometimes conflicting or confusing information coming from different levels of government. So I think the answer is very well asked because it helps to clarify the process. There are two things really that we need to consider before we figure out what is next in terms of opening. The first, I think, as Dr. Colfax has mentioned, is really paying very close attention to what the progression of the disease looks like in San Francisco. Do we see case counts rising? What do our hospitalization rates look like? What does that spread look like? Are we able to reach the people who have been infected? Are we able to effectively mitigate that spread? That's one really important component. So San Francisco will be taking a look at those different data and statistics to be able to say, what does it look like? Can we move forward? The second piece that is also important is that the state also provides overlaying requirements in terms of what local jurisdictions can do. In addition to putting a program in place for a watch list, they've also said statewide certain types of activities can or cannot open, regardless of whether we're on watch list or not. So I think as the state continues to make additional changes, as they continue to adjust, we're going to be watching very, very closely to make sure that we're following uh, what is required of us, but also making sure to communicate that as clearly as possible in terms of what it is that we are able to do and to open. Thank you again for that question, Alex. Thank you, Assessor Chu. The next set of questions are for Mayor Breed. Mayor Breed, your first question comes from Andrea Borba with KPIX. 
What are your thoughts on lax mask wearing and social distancing seen at national events like the RNC and protests? I was thoroughly disgusted that the leader of this country would allow such a thing to occur. It was just to, to sit there and to watch it and to see it when we are in the midst of a global pandemic where hundreds of thousands of Americans have lost their lives. It's, it's, it was very unfortunate, uh, but it doesn't change what we need to do here in San Francisco because we follow data, we follow facts, and we use science in order to make good health decisions. And it's a poor example of what any leader should be doing at a time like this, and we need to do better. Thank you, Mayor Breed. The next question is from Melanie Woodrow with ABC7 News. Anecdotally, some San Francisco teachers have shared that attendance is already low for distance learning. Are you aware of any attendance numbers yet for the new school year from the San Francisco Unified School District? And can you speak to what, if anything, San Francisco will do to address truancy? Well, I will say that I'm not aware of the attendance uh, records of what's happening with the school district at this time, but this is why opening these learning hubs and providing opportunities for students uh, to have places to go where they can not only get help with their lesson and how to log in and, and to set up and to get the support that they need, but also so that they can get food. Um, you know, it's really unfortunate that we're in this situation and so many kids are not getting the resources and the support that they need. We couldn't sit back and wait until this pandemic end. We couldn't sit back and wait on what decisions might happen in the uncertainty. These learning hubs that we have established are so critical uh, to supporting our young people, especially if this is, uh, you know, early indications of what we can expect to see. Uh, and, and, and the achievement gap, as we know, as a result of what just recently happened um, when distance learning took into effect, we saw that those kids who didn't get, for example, the free devices or needed additional internet Wi-Fi, they continued to do well in school. Meanwhile, even the kids we provided devices and support to through uh, high-speed internet, they continue to not do so well. So we know that the achievement gap is widening and it's important that we do everything we can to support our, our young people. Thank you, Madam Mayor. The next set of questions are for Dr. Colfax. Dr. Colfax, the question comes from David Louie with ABC7 News. A group of San Francisco gym owners are claiming the city received a waiver from Cal OSHA to open gyms located at various city department office spaces, including the police department, public works, and the coroner's office, while private gyms are facing closure due to restrictions. Can you confirm the city employee gyms are open and what relief is possible for gym owners? So I don't have any information on, I'm not aware of any Cal OSHA uh, waiver. Um, there are allowances in the health order for uh, government services to deem uh, what is essential. Uh, so there is at least a theoretical possibility that uh, gyms uh, could be open. Um, certainly from, this goes against public health advice, I certainly wouldn't recommend uh, people working out uh, inside, particularly in close quarters at this time. Thank you, Dr. Colfax. 
There are no further questions at this time, and this concludes today's press conference. Thank you, Madam Mayor, Assessor Chu, and Dr. Colfax for your time, and thank you everyone for joining us. That concludes this press event from the Department of Emergency Management in San Francisco. This is KSFP-LP, San Francisco, 102.5 FM. We now return to our regularly scheduled programming.